improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. Hi everyone, my name's Martin Harvey and I'm your host. So welcome to episode four of the Under the Influence podcast. So this week we are having part two of the discussion with Craig Foote around keys to success on a first visit. Last week we we went really deep on the consultation this week it's all about the examination and the rest of that first visit but before we get there a little bit of housekeeping first of all we are now live on apple podcasts so i suggest you take the opportunity to subscribe whether you're on apple podcasts whether you're spotify uh, on Google Podcasts or Overcast, whatever your podcast player of choice, please hit the subscribe button and make sure that you don't miss any upcoming episodes. I also wanted to say thanks to those of you who have been sending through messages of feedback and positive comments about the podcast. I really, really appreciate it and would love it if you took the time to shoot me a little message. You can also, if you look at the show notes, there's a link there to be able to leave a voice message and um, that will that's also super helpful for us. Last little thing in regard to that, uh, with the show notes, uh, there, uh, there should be a link in there for uh, um, Craig's website, chiropracticflightschool.com and mine, insideoutpractices.com. And uh, also just a reminder that if you are enjoying Under the Influence, we would really appreciate it if you left a uh, review on Apple Podcasts and also recommended it to a friend. Just shoot them a message with a link to the show so that we can help more chiropractors help more people. Last little reminder before we get into the show is I will be touring around Australia uh, with the Communication to Improve Patient Care for One Day program starting off in Tasmania at 14th of August, Melbourne 4th of September, Brisbane on the 12th of September, Sydney 25th of September and Perth the 14th of November. So it's in partnership with the Australian Chiropractors Association. You can register via uh, their website or else go to the live seminars tab at insideoutpractices.com and it'll have all the details there. So without further ado, welcome to Under the Influence episode four. Welcome back to the Under the Influence podcast. I'm here with Dr. Craig Foote. How are you going, Craig? I'm good, thanks, Martin. Good to talk to you once again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So thanks so much for the chat last time. I'm really looking forward to today. It's going to be uh, leading on from what we talked about last time. So those of you who maybe didn't listen to the last episode, we went really, really deep into all the kind of nuance of doing a really great consultation. And when we're talking great, we're talking great from uh, an efficiency perspective, but we're also talking great from uh, an effectiveness perspective in terms of communicating with people, making sure their needs are met, making sure we're also setting up a framework of understanding that 
um, leads people towards kind of a big picture change in terms of their health, where um, I guess the goal for me at least is that I want uh, people in my practice to be led towards an understanding that proactively looking after your body is a really great way of living a happier, healthier, more active life. Because when your body works better, you can do everything else that's important to you better. So um, did you want to add anything to that or should we just leap in? I'm happy to leap in, I think. I think you've summarised it very well. Okay, excellent. So actually one thing that you suggested after our chat last time that I think would be really useful would be for us to kind of talk a little bit about what we're hoping to accomplish in going through this sort of keys to successful communication, what this series is really about, about what our motivation for doing it is. So did you want to maybe leap in and tell me what your thoughts are? Yeah, look, the first first thought that came to mind was I get to hang out with uh, a good mate of mine uh, who I haven't had a beer with face-to-face for a little while. So that was that was the, the first thing. So yeah. uh, great to obviously chat to at all times anyway. Um, but I suppose really what uh, you and I, I believe, feel the same way about sort of maybe some trends that are occurring in the profession. Yeah. You know, we've we've been in <clears throat> we've been in practice now for a while, um, and I'm slowly getting better at. It. That's why they call it practice, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and and look, we've I personally have have just enjoyed such a wonderful uh, career, and you know the the amazing things that we see happen when people, uh, firstly get under chiropractic care but but probably more so for me is actually understand and apply the principles to their life and the lives of their families as well and that's that's kind of like I, I like to play big right so yeah um but to see the flow on effect of that is something i think i personally would love to see every <clears throat> excuse me every chiropractor um see in their practice um yeah. going forward and 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 you know it is a very powerful thing to be able to help someone without the use of drugs or surgery and literally with your own touch to impact their life and the life of their loved ones i think and and i fundamentally believe that if chiropractors really did appreciate what they in fact had the power to do that they would bring a lot more respect and training and focus and hard work and application to what they do and refining yeah. their art and then uh, they would be clearly unstoppable. Yeah. So if I can get a chiropractor a little bit closer to um, experiencing those things, uh, may, maybe moving them forward from where they are right now, then then I think that would be a pretty good, good use of my time. Yeah. Um, and I get to hang out with you as well. Absolutely. So I guess I'm across similar sort of perspective. I love getting to chat to you and I learn heaps from your application and the, all the thought that you put into it. And I think for me, what I was hoping to come out of this is, as you say, we want to help chiropractors. We know that there are chiropractors who could be having a, a more successful practice, a more fun practice, a less stressful practice if they applied some of the principles that we've kind of learned from the people that we you know, built our success from, our mentors, and from making some really stupid mistakes along the way, which we'll probably <laughs> share the, the uh, sanitised version of along the, along the discussion. 
a, a big motivation for me though is I feel if, if there's something that I'm against and I think there's something that I really think is getting in the way of chiropractors helping people more and helping more people there's two sort of aspects to it one is there's a very there's a drift in one part of the profession towards applying chiropractic just as a musculoskeletal treatment you know this pain-based practice model um, which I think is a real loss of the value of chiropractic in terms of the end user like I think there's lots of options if you don't want to get rid of back pain or neck pain there's not so many options in terms of if you want to optimize how your body works so I think there's a we're not serving people by selling chiropractic or positioning chiropractic in that way uh, and, and I also think that if you're not getting an, that understanding in your education at university, then it's pretty tough to then get into practice and apply it. So I'm really hoping to be able to bridge some of that. Um, the other thing, though, is that I think just our culture generally has gone into a culture of expecting or looking for quick fixes, that for hacks, for shortcuts. And I think like health, growing a great practice there aren't shortcuts there's smart ways of doing it but the this idea of the, here's a 30 second hack and a double your practice in four weeks and all that sort of thing well you can double your practice if you've got a very small practice um but you know i think that i sort of want to call that out i want to say actually you're going to be on this never-ending cycle or you know you're going to be sucking on the teat of mediocrity forever <laughs> because you're always looking for the next quick fix where I think where you and I have always come from is this idea of actually if you get the fundamentals right then you grow something organic that then is sustainable and I, I really want to mm. and part of the reason for moving more to a podcast rather than putting out content as a video is that I think podcasts lend themselves to going deeper and exploring those ideas so that people can you know sort of go all right if it, anything from now on that it says it's a shortcut or a hack I kind of translate bullshit for that and I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to do the work to actually give it time to grow properly and and in a strong and sustainable way Jesus, I'm on a rant then. No, I'm no. definitely under the influence of coffee today. That, so um, it's, it's yeah. all good. Um, I, I know. I think that that organic growth and authentic growth as well, yeah. um, which I think is so important. And everyone's different. Um, uh, I'll maybe share over the over a period of time sort of my experiences with we've got with it Nirvana, but um, I, I would so say Nirvana for people who don't know is the group. Of, so Craig. For those of you who may not know him, uh, is part of a really impressive group of practices, um, but it's been through a few iterations, and we might sort of share you, your journey along them along the way, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm happy to share it now if you want. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of catch yeah. everyone up because because I think one of the things is uh, as we we're just sort of mentioning before we um, got on this call is that you know I've I've been, I've been adjusted by you in your practice. I've seen your amazing practice in in Melbourne um, uh, you know put together by your lovely uh, wife yeah. uh, Nicole and um, and it's and it's a beautiful practice and you're a fantastic adjuster but then I thought think well you know what I've actually never been under regular chiropractic care with you yeah I've never you've I've actually never had a consult with you or a, yeah. an exam and and likewise the same you know like you've yeah. not been a, a, um, 
that as well. But so for, for our point of view, so the, the, the thing that I am drawn to with this is that you do things your way and it's very effective for you and then um, <clears throat> I do things my way and it's actually quite effective for me, certainly more effective than the early days, let's, yeah, yeah. let's face that. But I suppose if we go back, so Nirvana, at the, at the moment we've got three practices in, in Perth, uh, spread throughout Perth, and, um, and I'm a co-founder with uh, Glenn Farrant and Olivia Gleeson. And at one point we had, had actually six practices, um, uh, all individually owned and operated, but working under a common banner. And, but the precursor to Nirvana was um, was actually a, a group that uh, 10 chiropractors that were very successful all around Australia. We're going now back into the 2000s. Um, uh, all joined up and we got this marketing company involved and we said, you know what, we saw some information come out from the uh, CAA or the now the ACA, yep. uh, which asked some questions about, um, you know, what, what, a, what, what do you think of a chiropractor? What do you think of? And the average person at that point said, oh, neck pain, back pain and headaches, that chiropractors were not very qualified and they're a little bit of a, you'd only ever see them if you're in pain effectively. Yeah. And um, something that we did here as a group is 10 of us actually got together with a market research company and actually did a follow-up survey after 10 years of public education here in WA. So you've got to remember at that time, the public education uh, budget for Perth was $100 per chiropractor per month. Yeah. So in Australia at that time, over the last, at that 10 years, we had spent here more per person than any other uh, organisation in Australia at that time. And when they we did that follow-up survey, it actually found that uh, when they asked the general public, you know, what do you think of when you think of a chiropractor? Uh, well, interestingly, they said it's for headaches, neck pain and back pain. You only see them when you're in pain. And um, and we're not really that educated. So uh, at that point, I think we worked out as maybe over $400,000 had been spent on public education over the 10 years and it was a yep. complete waste of time. Yeah. So, um, so then the market marketing company said, well, how about we do things a little bit differently? Um, and over the following, I would say five, maybe six years, and um, I'll say that with a budget of, uh, it was all up, it was around $300,000. We got to the point where the marketing uh, company said to us, you know what, the only way this is going to work is if you become a franchise, if you really want to change the way that chiropractic is perceived, which is what was our driving factor, yep. um, you need to have a franchise so that when, let's say you, Martin, were uh, doing an exam, you'd do exactly the same exam and you'd say exactly the same scripts and the pricing the would be exactly of, the same. The McDonald's Mc of chiropractic, hey? Yeah, McDonald's of chiropractic. And then we looked around the room and we've each of us, you know, I was, I was looking around the room and um, the people in the room, uh, they, they, they know who they were, but they've, they're highly successful chiropractors. You know, um, uh, people have been who stood on stage at DG and yeah. uh, have been influential in our association and each of them does things differently and says things 
differently. And, and, and chiropractic yet, just attracts such a band of conformists. Not yeah, okay. <laughs> no one. No, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm looking at, at Olivia. Yeah, Olivia. You know, um, was was in the group, and 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 look, her, her focus is on uh, peds and um, uh, pregnant mums, and you know, she's had the triplets and all that, and that's not my deal. Like I like I see kids in practice, but whatever. It, but what if she says something one way? I say something the other, it seems to work for both of us. But if we were to say exactly the same thing yeah. at the same time, it wouldn't actually be authentic, which is what we no. talked about before. Um, and it, it just didn't work. So we actually disbanded after spending uh, or learning from a $300,000 uh, lesson. Um, we decided, you know what, we actually, it's not a franchise. You can't do chiropractic as mm -hmm. a franchise. Um, and so we then sort of evolved into, all well, three of us evolved into the Nirvana group, which effectively was this point where we had an understanding and said, you know what, I'd be happy to send my, my people to you knowing that you're going to just care for them. Yeah. That's effectively how that works and yeah. some other sort of foundational things. So, so yeah, it's, um, everyone does things a little bit differently. It's, you know, my hope that, you know, I learn a bit more about, you know, how you do things and that helps me do better in my practice. And, and then clearly I'll go to teach you a few things, Martin, and how not to do it. <laughs> clearly, <and laughs> clearly, yeah. That went without saying. Yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah. I'm glad you made it explicit just to reinforce the point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, what All am I right. going to learn about doing a really good exam? So we, la exam. when we last were talking, we were talking about how important it was to sort of pre-frame the exam. And I guess but if we introduce the idea of doing a great examination. For me, there's lots of different things that make up a great exam. First of all, you need to get great clinical information so that you know what's going on with somebody. And there's a whole lot of, uh, I guess, uh, requirements from a registration sort of level there. We're not really going to speak to that so much. Um, we assume that you know how to do that from university training. Where I look at where we can add a whole lot of value where I don't necessarily see chiropractors doing it well, and I certainly haven't through all my career, is um, getting the maximum sort of communication impact out of it. And then there's one point that I had a really interesting discussion. One of our CAs is, a, well, a lot of our CAs are chiropractic students, but I was talking to one of them just yesterday, and she was talking about a, a scenario that was... Uh, put to her, uh, it's an assignment that she has to do for her chiropractic program. And it was essentially a clinical scenario with a whole lot of complexities to it, but sort of short version, it's somebody who has um, headaches and could be tension type headaches or cervicogenic headaches, clearly something that would be kind of in the wheelhouse of chiropractic. And the twist in it is that there wasn't really a whole lot of then examination findings that were given to them. And then the question was postulated if after six to eight treatments, which that word churns mm. my guts, but um, that's maybe a discussion for another time. <laughs> um, but after six to eight visits, uh, the, the headaches aren't improving. What's the plan of action? And I guess my point in that regard is, your examination should be almost a framework through which you see that. I agree that we, we need to have this balance of if somebody has symptoms that aren't improving, then they may need 
a change of approach or a referral to another chiropractor or to another health professional. But you can't tell that just based on their symptoms. It, it's sort of an implication that um, mm. from a paradigm perspective, and I think last time we were talking about different levels of a philosophy, a paradigm and then procedures, at a paradigm level, I don't believe that chiropractic is about a treatment of conditions. I see chiropractic as, a, from a paradigm perspective, our role is to check the spine, see if there's areas of subluxation. And I think from extrapolate from that and say, look, I think there's a reasonable chance that this, these areas of subluxation, if we can reduce them, may help with your headaches. That, that there's a correlation there. Um, but if that, in that scenario, I don't think you can tell where, what somebody needs if you don't then have examination findings that are telling you whether you're changing this person's spinal function or not. Anyway. Um, Absolutely. I yeah. agree. So in setting up the exam, we were both talking last time about we want to pre-frame what we're looking for. And so I think you did a fantastic job. You were talking about we're looking for a subluxation um, and, and almost pre-framing what their experience was in terms of they're often going to be tender. Um, and that then allows them to have an experience. So as well as you getting the clinical data that will help you in knowing whether this person is improving under your care or not, so that's job one. Job two, though, is that if you pre-frame it, a good exam is a communication experience for them of how of their body not working in certain ways that help them understand both what their problem is, but also ha see the size of the problem more accurately. Makes absolutely. Sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and maybe if I can just, before we do get into the exam, just add a little bit to what you've just yeah. said too is, you know, uh, last few years, in normal years, um, I've gone out to uh, NZCC and they've, they've specifically asked me to uh, talk to their not their final years about uh, care plans and yes. scheduling. And it's an interesting process um, uh, that we go through. I don't actually at any point say you absolutely need to see someone X amount of times for that cervicogenic headache or... Yeah or anything like that. Rather, it's about how to uh, consider um, the information that people are getting as it coming through. So effectively, my belief is that any uh, particularly newer, if whatever field you're in, if you're in newer in the field, basically the more information you have going in, the, the better the chance of you coming up with a better outcome. So yeah. yeah, yes, you take their history into consideration. Yes, you have a look at their new patient form. But as you just said, unless you've actually done a very thorough examination and 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 may I say, I, I believe that probably uh, a lot of chiropractors maybe don't cast the net as wide as they probably should in their exam. You know, if, if a person only has, you know, cervicogenic headaches, which we're talking about, and they're only doing an assessment of the neck, well, there's a hell of a lot of the spine there that you've, <laughs> you really don't know much about, and you're basing it everything on, you know, it, uh, the problem being in the neck, and yeah. it's not always the neck is my experience. So, so uh, you know, doing an assessment of the full spine, being able to test, and then also maybe down the track again, retest it and mm. see what effect you've in fact had, I think are so vitally important. Um, but then of course, the examination findings um, determine then what the next step is, whether we get some diagnostic images or things to answer those questions that we don't yet know the answers to. 
and then um, and then of course consider what is the best plan of attack for this yeah. person. Yeah. Um, so you know the the examination is uh, uh, I, it has to be an experience for 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 the patient. Like they have to be engaged at some level, um, and I think waking them up to those those sort of things. Hey, look. Um, if there's a subluxation there, then it's likely going to be really tender on your spine. And then if we find that, we then need to determine if it's having an impact on your nervous system. And this yeah. is how we work that out um, and sort of giving that overview of, you know, things effectively should be the same either side. You know, people yeah. don't go to the gym and just build up one bicep muscle. They go to do both, right? So, so getting them to that point and then sort of the examination, I, I see... I see problems uh, with some clients in that they try to make the examination all an educational process. And yeah. I would say that's probably going a little bit too soon in that we don't yet know whether we can help this person. Yet. I, there's a high chance we can, but the it's, it's literally a fact-finding hunt. Let's yeah. see what's going on and how can we best serve you at this yeah. point. So critical, critical part. So, yeah. um, yeah. so, so, Martin, so, what, what, how, talk me through your exam. I'd like so to hear actually, what you do. Before I, we do, oh. I just one thing that we you spoke about that I think is a really brilliant way of thinking about an exam is the idea of if you don't look, you won't see. And so, <laughs> when we were talking about those different models of practice, where it's a pain-based model or moving more into, you know, in my nomenclature, more prevention and performance. If you're not doing, if the only testing you're doing is pain-based testing, you're not going to see the loss of spinal function that is asymptomatic. So first of all, I want to do that. Second thing that I want to, I don't, I think there are certain tests that give me more clinical information and have a more natural communication uh, impact, which I'll, I'll talk you through in a minute. But to me, if we look at that paradigm level, what I'm looking for are areas of subluxation, which are areas where the vertebrae have either um, lost their proper motion or lost their proper posture or alignment of the spine. And that's then creating abnormal stress or strain on the surround. Now, I'm not talking to a, a client in a practice like this, but I'm just from a yep. chiropractic perspective, that's then creating disaffrontation. So decreased mechanoreception, increased nociception into the spinal cord and from there up into the central, up into the brain, um, cerebellum, et cetera. And it's having some local reflexive changes. And so there's these two parts to it. Any definition of subluxation, like without all that complexity, it's something yeah. going funky with the joint. It's not moving right. And there's causing reflexive change in the nervous system. So I need to, if I want to be tracking that, be doing tests that, pull out information that allows me to measure those parts of it. Now, I don't. I think there's a bunch of different ways that you can do each of those things, but you really want to be doing something that looks at those two. So the process for me would be we do that pre-frame of this. We're looking for a subluxation. It's interesting we come to the same thing. I also focus on because of the impact on the nerve, it's often going to feel quite tender. Um, technically, allodynia, essentially just lowered pressure pain threshold because of all that neurology we were touching on before, then the first thing that I want to do is have them face down and I'm going to palpate for subluxation. Now, in my mind, I typically, there's different ways you can do this. There are some people who say, you know, I start at one end and I go to the other. I feel like 
well, there's this conversation going on in people's heads, which is, I'm here for headaches. You've got to find the headache spot first. So I feel like there's a lot of value in touching the pain part first, like going to that so that it essentially communicates to them, your priorities are my priorities. So I'm going to, if somebody's coming in with headaches or neck pain, I'm probably going to palpate their neck first. If they're coming in and their motivation for coming in was low back pain or issues with fertility or something like that, I'm going to go to the part of the spine that correlates with that so that I can get them on side of, look, I think I've found something that's clinically meaningful here. So I would then go through that sort of touch, tell, ask and teach type examination of the spine where I'm palpating the spine and giving them information and asking them questions. Did you, can you, and a big thing across all of this is we talk about pre-framing. We're pre-framing this little section with, you're probably going to notice tenderness, but I also want them to verbalize that because on that hierarchy of influence that we're talking about, them saying it has more impact than me just telling them so um if i find a subluxation i will say to them wow that's really jammed up and subluxated there what do you notice when i touch there yeah that's tender that's a subluxation and so we're doing with repetition we're having that communication aspect to it from there i then have a few little mini pre-frames for elements of it so all right we've found some areas of subluxation now i need to see how much they're impacting you And if we think of that mechanical part of a subluxation is a change in movement and the neurological part of it, the two big tests that I focus on in that regard are um, I'm going to do range of motion using an inclinometer so that it turns it into a number that I can track. But the preframe would be, so Craig, often if you have a subluxation because the joints aren't moving properly, you won't move the same to one side as you do to the other. You won't move as much as you, you, you would normally do that. And so then we just run through it. And, but a big part of it is, so just tilt your head to the left. You go that far, okay, that's 40 degrees. Let's have a look to the right. Whoa, what did you notice there? And so I want them to notice it and then I'll give them the report. But the advantage of that is it doesn't, you know, you were talking earlier about turning an exam into a, a, an educational experience. I think there's a balance in between where you're not taking any extra time, but you're making, pointing out along the way the things that create a, an experience that lead them to be, oh, there's more going on here than just me having a headache. Um, yep. So the other one, the preframe that I would do with is um, balance testing. Um, and I do a little pre-frame with postural testing. So we'd use an app to do a posture assessment. And I'd say, look, um, with that alignment component of subluxation, posture is really the, the window to see what the alignment's like. So uh, we'd expect it to be pretty much straight up and down and then balanced in a certain way from the side. Let's have a look and see how you're going. With balance, we would basically say, Um, the window for us to see how your nervous system is sending and receiving signals, whether that's coming through clearly, is how well you can balance. Now, obviously, there's more to the nervous system than that, but this will give us a good um, picture of how well your nervous system is doing. And then we'd run through a modified sort of Fukuda's test that um, has the marching essentially on the spot, looking to see if there's movement. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So I know you do a, some other ways of testing there. Did you want to run through how you do it? 
actually, before I do, when do you when, when you're doing an exam, do you have are you there by yourself or do you have a CA I, taking notes? I do it. I've done it with all different ways. So I've done it where yeah. I just so if I can tell you the the shittiest way I ever did it was like <laughs> please uh, well yeah. <laughs> That this is the do not. I'd hate it if somebody sort of zips into the the uh, podcast at this point and then they're taking notes for this part. So don't take notes. This is the do not do, <laughs> which was I think really early on in practice. I had this idea that, um, which there's a certain level of truth to it. That if you if you take it super seriously and in a doctorly kind of way and do a lot of mmm mmm, that that was going to have the impact. So I do the testing. I wouldn't really communicate that too much I'd just be going mm, ooh, ouch mm. which to some degree I think you know you've got to take it seriously um, yeah. but I wasn't saying anything I was just doing the testing and then I was expecting them to be moved by the gravitas that I was taking it with and then I'd tell them what I found a few days later with a report of findings where I actually don't think most people care that much about the specifics of it they just want yeah. to know what the the relevance to them, you know, what's in it for me. So that was the crappiest way that I ever did it. Then I've done it where I would have a CA in the rooms essentially scribing for me. And there's an advantage to that in that it gives, um, there's an efficiency to it where they, um, you don't have to write it all down, but there's also the, the detail of it that the person gets in hearing you say it. And over the last few years, I've done a version of that where I just say to the person, look, I'm just going to um, do a voice. I'm going to use a voice recorder here so that I can get all the details down. And I like that version because I get the advantage of that without having to have somebody else in and out of the room and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of my journey from shit cool. to fabulous. No, that's <laughs> to fab, ab fab, fantastic. Yes. Uh, well, I look, I, I think um, uh, we, I do have a CA in the room. Uh, I feel just safer just having another yeah. person in the room, you know, the, the, those claims against me. I just want to make sure everything's okay. I'm just joking. There's no yeah. claims against me. Um, no, I think, um, so for me with my exam, it, that audio, you know, when, when you're talking, when I'm talking to the CA and, and, yeah. and you're sort of um, saying out loud that the, um, the findings that you're coming up with with the exam. Um, whilst I said before, it's not, an, it's not a time to educate them. It's a fact-finding hunt, but people are listening. So yeah. the, 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 the patient on the table is literally listening to every single little word and mannerism that you have at the time. So, so when you're saying um, uh, this, this thing that could be a, a right lateral flexion at 80%, yeah. right? Um, if it's worthwhile for me to say it to the CA, it means it's something that's important yeah. somewhere in the mind of the patient as well. So having the CA in the room for me, uh, yep, look, I, my handwriting's crap anyway, so it's really handy to have them sort of, sort of writing stuff down. Um, uh, and it's really quick and effective. Um, and, you know, later on, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about uh, the handover is the other thing for me. Yeah. At the very end, it just allows me to, to do that and sort of push on with my day. But um, something I see with clients, so you, you were talking about doing that, uh, that, you know, they're prone on the table and we're filling down their spine or up their spine or 
whatever part is. And I agree, I completely agree. You need to go to the chief complaint first and foremost. Otherwise, like, um, you know, if they've come in for headaches and you go straight to their their glutes, you know, yeah. they're going to start to question, why is he grabbing my ass yeah. to sort my headaches, right? So I'd even go a little step further and say, actually feel, you know, if they've got headaches, actually feel the head. Um, um, because the lay person thinks if I've got a headache, it's something in my head. My head. Um, yeah. and, and so we don't necessarily have to touch everything you know, like if, if you've got something that's really sensitive to touch, you don't have to do that, but just to show that they've, you've, they've, you've listened to them yeah. and, um, and then start to bring it back to the spine. So, you know, start the head and work, okay, we're going to feel where those nerves come from. Uh, and those nerves come from this area. So let me just have a feel along through here and you're feeling, and I would even say, uh, let's say it's in the upper cervical. I push one side articular pillar, compare it to the other. If there is something going on, it'll be actually, again, that one-sided sensitive yep. tender um, and the other side not. And I'll actually even almost do a running commentary through my yep. exam and say, yeah, look, to me, that actually feels really nice and soft there what do you notice about that other side yeah that's tender isn't it they go yeah that's tender and so so i go c2 on the right or whatever yeah. um yeah. and then and then we sort of go through the exam and probably the big the thing to remember i think for me is this person has never been to you before because they're a new patient yep um they really are a little bit usually a bit nervous even if they don't think they're nervous they're yeah. sort of like they're, they're, there's that sort of unknown what's going to happen next so they're face down now on the table eyes closed uh probably difficult to breathe if they're wearing a mask in covid times god help us um but so there's certain things that happen to their body when they're prone on your yeah. table and the first thing that happens is their hearing becomes very clear and and you know, they're, they're, yeah they're, they're straining yeah, yeah they're straining their ears and the second thing is the sensitivity in where you're touching uh exponentially increases as well yeah. so the very worst thing you can do i believe as a chiropractor is get your broad contact with your hands and just push Everything, everything on yeah, yeah, them yeah. and and sort of be leaning on them uh when you're talking to them i think that's just horrible so i would suggest um and i see this very often with with say clients is just be as specific as you can with right on that spinous process and just and feel it and don't be scared to give it a nudge i like yeah. I, like this this is a fact finding mission we're on we yeah. got to find out what is actually moving and what isn't moving yeah. effectively yeah um and then then that's they will become more actively involved so so when we've done that touch and tell and you know um gotten right through the spine then look i'll, I'll usually say at the end of it okay we've done that now so what we're going to do now we're going to do a series of tests to work out um how this is affecting you yeah yeah sound good right yeah. And so they'll, they'll involve, you know, you, as, you, as you mentioned, sort of reflexes, myotomal testing. Um, if so the tell, me, cases, tell me what you yep. do, deep tendon reflexes, reflexes, is that what you're meaning? Yeah, yeah so like Achilles, so they're prone, so it's, it's just perfect example, just do Achilles uh, tendon uh, yep. reflex at that point. We'll do hamstrings, do um, glutes. Now, 
I will say Are you something you're else. doing hamstring and glutes like a myotomal test? Is myotomal that what you mean? test, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now and every time I go between, so let's you know, doing a, a hamstring test. Okay, we're on test. Now, this is something that I will say talk about pre-framing we're going to assess how the nerves controlling this area so i want you to hold your leg in that position and push against me as hard as you can like like go as firm as you can and then whatever i do on that side i'll always 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 if i haven't got this enough as important i'll always martin always say let's compare it to the other side and get them thinking left and right, left and how's that compare? How's that compare? How's that compare? Because then I'll be reading out these findings and the CA is just you know scribbling down what they're what we're finding. But but again, the patient's listening and and they're saying wow. Um, and if there's a difference there, it's, you know, as they're turning over onto their back, I'll say. So you've noticed I I, I don't ask questions in the um, yeah. in the in the exam because. I've, my time of asking questions is is kind of done. I'm I'm sort of more clarifying. Yeah. So yeah. you've so I'll actually say to them. So you've noticed that before. You've noticed yeah. that difference between the left and the right. And more often than not, they'll go no. Yeah. They'll go no. I, I wasn't aware of that. So it's so, okay. Let's find out what else is going on. And then we do you know all the other stuff. Supine, as I said, myotome, straight leg raise, all these sorts of things. So as. Uh, Pat, uh, Pat Fab or whatever you call it, yeah. the hip testing and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we do range of motion. Uh, so we sit them up um, there now. I will let you let you know there's a there's a how rooms are set up to to try and show credibility. You know, we, yeah. we talk about sort of influence, you know, talking about. Yeah. So I when they sit up, they look across the room and they see a, a recent picture of me adjusting the wiggles. <laughs> right so it's yeah. what i mean in in each room um <clears throat> so i know they always they they wouldn't have maybe necessarily seen that because it yeah. was right behind them when they sat in the chair but so that sort of like there's that credibility there and you know you might want to have your your big rmit or yeah yeah, yeah uh, thing there um and then uh then we do that range of motion now um so you were saying martin that you do a range of motion with like is it almost like a passive range of motion is it no you, we do active them? range of motion but we yep. use an inclinometer to measure ah, okay. it so that as well as the their sort of internal experience of it i'm not eyeballing it i'm doing it you know in yeah standardized okay. way yeah I, I probably i i don't I'm, I'm a like i love numbers we, we've got other ways of doing it we don't yeah. use a a, a gonadometer yes, uh, yes. as uh, because people don't like it when i do that but um uh but effectively i i, I want to get them let's say we're talking about um you know cervical range of motion quite literally just lateral flexion yeah what I find happens is if we get people to just tilt their head down to one side, they'll go where they are comfortable at. So let's say if they've got a bit of neck pain, they'll, 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 they'll not try and overdo it so much. Yeah. And so that'll give you a finding and yep. then the other side may be the same. But that's a lot of, that's going on a lot of, um, it's quite subjective to a degree. So, so what I do is I'll get them to get over as far as they can and, and then then i'll say okay let's just just push that just a little bit further just give it a little bit of a spring test in wherever they're at and then that is actually the finding that i get to um yep. uh, and and i do that in all range of motion i read that out to the ca um and the reason being is just because you know if we go down the track i don't want 
a, a, a patient to sort of uh, just feel a little bit sensitive one day and not really want to move their own neck as far yeah. as they probably normally could, and I don't want yeah. that reflected in my my results. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so sucker for yeah, for stickler for that stuff. Um, and then I'll I'll stand them up and and I'll actually we, we don't use a um, uh, an app we tried the app for you know for posture like you yeah. you were talking about um, to be honest with you it's just a bit slow for me and and just we've got other things I suppose that yeah. we sort of focus on and um, but what I do do is I I, I stand them. Uh, in a little box that I have in, you know, chalk on the ground. This is kind yeah. of leading up to your, uh, uh, well, we call it minimize, but what, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, they're standing in this box and they're looking straight ahead of the CA. And I'm actually just reading out a high right ear, high right shoulder, left yeah. uh, shoulder blade prominent and, you know, uh, high left hip, that kind of thing. So that's the posture kind of done in, um, you know, what's that, f five seconds or whatever. Yeah lumbar range of motion and then um in the old days we used to do this heel toe walking right yeah, so yeah. so where you had your eyes closed walk heel toe walking heel toe gait or whatever it is and typically what would happen this is my sort of my experience um what would happen is that they would you know talking about that coper and the catastrophizer at the beginning yeah the catastrophizer's gone oh my god it's a tumor or something like that yeah. and then the, but more often than not the coper's gone oh clearly i had a few last night or yeah, oh yeah, must yeah, be yeah. drunk or yeah or or that kind of thing so so that was a bit hit and miss um and then uh good friends of ours don and brandy uh yep. mcdonald um sort of opened my eyes up to this for for, for cooter's test or middle test. yeah it's the same test middle, just a slightly same. different application of it yeah yeah so 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 um then I, then I started doing it but i was getting the same bloody results you know they're, they're saying oh i'm just drunk and and for those of you you're listening this is, this is perth thing really isn't it the day yeah yeah yeah. It's, yeah yeah pretty much we're the you know champions in the sunday session right yes, so yeah. um so you know people would would basically march on the spot have their hands up you know uh, palms up eyes closed march on the spot and then they'd sort of not stay on the spot after a period of time and then they go, oh, I must have had a few. So I thought, you know what, I wasn't happy, actually happy with that because it's actually a neurological test. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. So before I do that last one, and I do that now instead of the heel-toe walking, I'll actually say to them, hey, um, so what we're going to do now, last test, it's kind of like, like the, you know, this is the finale, get ready for yeah. something amazing. I'll actually look at them and go, look, what we're going to do, you notice you're standing on a box. Yeah, okay, so what we're going to do now, we're going to actually test how your brain is coordinating your body. Yep. And what it's going to look like is this. We have your hands up. We're going to, in a moment, you have your eyes closed. We, and I'll just show them what it's going to look like. I'm just going to be marching on the spot like this. Now, for in our practice, because, you know, there's, I think it's important to have consistency, is I'll say, look, we're going to get you to do that for, for 30 seconds. Yep. Um, uh, myself and my CA, we can't talk in that time, but we need you to, you need to stay on the spot. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. All right, let's see how we go. And they do this, and then then they go through this. And 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 Martin, I'm going to make the observation for my practice. If someone's got some chronic issues in the upper yeah. cervical spine, they're going to come off that spot well yeah. and truly. And yeah. the the wonderful thing from my clinical practice is the longer they're with their chiropractic care, yeah, the, the better, better they, they actually go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I will throw that out as a challenge for people. 
but then a funny thing happens. So they're, they're sort of marching on the spot and sort of they're sort of maybe smiling a little bit, but we're really quiet. And just for, for those who haven't done this, if, you, if there's any music or that on, yeah. the person will often turn towards that towards noise. That. Yeah. Or, or so just we don't use any... it as a cue to where they are Perfect. in space. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, so then just before that, that time is up, I'll just keep with my fingertips and I'll actually just very gently hold on to their wrists. Yeah. It's a safe zone, like we're not yeah. touching them in an inappropriate place. Uh, but, you know, but, but I'm not going to let go. Okay. And then I'll say, and stop. And I'm holding their wrists. And what will happen is um, an experience that you just have to see to believe because yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll look at you, or I'll talk about myself, they'll look at me and they'll go, why are you so close to me? And, yeah. and and secondly, why am I in this section of the room? Yeah. And then they'll quickly look at down at the ground looking for that box and they'll notice that there may be a meter and a half off yeah. and rotated. Yeah. But then it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've ever ridden a bucking horse, mud. Uh, yeah. because no, what I will happen, no. no, okay, I, I, I did spend a little bit of time as a jackaroo, um, but I will say this, is you've got to hold on and because what they then try and do is they try and jump, jump back, back onto yeah. that spot yeah. and and you can't let go like you don't want to grab on but you can't let go because if in their mind if i quickly jump back onto that spot it was never a problem probably yeah yeah, yeah. it was com this is completely unexpected but when you know if we're talking about that um that uh uh influence literature that we, yeah. we 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 love to read about right it, the, the moment that they're most open to um, learning new stuff is the moment of something unexpected has just happened. Exactly. You know, they, they open their eyes, they open their mouth, they go, what the, you know, yeah. what the hell? And, and they're open to learning what the hell is going on. So that's the point where we sort of go, hey, look, th there is some issues in your spine. Um, yep. And I sort of give a very, like a very verbal, very brief thing of, okay, this is something as a chiropractor, as we do see a lot of, um, but there is some questions yet to be answered. So we would recommend this and this and that, yep. you know, in our practice, we've, we've got an x-ray on site so we can get an x-ray done um yeah. uh pretty easy we've also we used to use the insight yeah. um subluxation station which i find very useful and uh has we have wonderful conversations around that as well but but that's what we do and then and then um then I'll, I'll just say is that something you want to go ahead with like yeah and they go more often than not yeah that's yeah. that's cool so i said i'll just leave you with the ca who's just here <laughs> yeah and um and marissa will uh, saw that out. Lovely to see you. Great to yeah. meet you. Um, and, and then I, the handover has happened, and then we I sort of walk off, and and it's all done. All good. Yep. So that's that's that. So Excellent. really, uh, I think my examination usually goes a bit quicker than me talking about it. But yeah. uh, yes, yeah, no, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it, when you go into every detail of why and how. Um, yeah. yeah, ours is pretty similar. So I think yeah, probably useful to give people a bit of an idea. How long does the exam process typically take for you? The exam, the exam itself, uh, it was all pretty much said and done in about seven, seven yeah. minutes or so. I think that we're pretty much bang on the same. It takes us about seven, yeah. seven to eight minutes. And then in terms of a handover, then um, we don't have an x-ray in our practice. So um, if we're 
referring for x-rays, then obviously we will, I will typically, so there's an interesting thing in that regard where to me, there's an ideal next step from that. And so, you know, and that can be different. If it's somebody who we're not getting x-rays for, then there's a slightly different pathway. If there's somebody that you are, then there's a different pathway. And for you that those pathways will be the same, but different. But to me, I think a really important nuance that you can emphasize here is people will naturally, we're culturally conditioned to see that we are the one with the authority, that as the chiropractor, you're the healthcare provider, you're the one who's authoritative. And it can then mean that people don't necessarily see our support staff as authorities as well. And I think it's really important if you want to have the best results for clients, but also to make your environment as stress-free for your uh, uh, CAs, that you've got to give them the authority and so the, the point that you're talking with that transition or you've asked somebody, this is what you want to do, but then you've handed with to the uh, CA the authority to take over from there. And I think that's a really important thing. And I would do that at the front desk if I was referring for x-rays. And that the ideal thing is that I want all that to happen really fast. Like the longer there is a mm. delay, the more likelihood there is that they've forgotten what the experience is. To me, I want the the next visit and and any necessary x-rays to happen quickly so the way yeah. that i would do that is i would go with the person to the front desk where the ca was and your your hand it's the same thing it's just a different location for the handover but with it comes the authority so i would say something like all right lily um lily's the ca now um craig uh, needs to get some x-rays taken here's the referral can you Get into it's really important that we get this to happen ASAP. So can you uh, ring the radiology place and organise a time that works for Craig? Um, we use some forms at the end. You know, Craig needs an FRI, a functional rating index survey, and let's get a, a report of finding the second visit as quick as we can, um, keeping in mind those times. Does that work? Um, is that all clear? And so I've essentially transitioned that authority to the CA. So she then, if Craig is then saying, ah, oh, look, I'll just, I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks once I see my diary, she know, she's got the authority to say, look, it was important that it needed to happen as quick as possible. So why don't we put mm. something in place now and we can change it if your diary changes or whatever it, it is. But yeah. I think that yeah. transition is a really important and neglected point. Yeah. I, I suppose um, uh, we, we uh, in the little art of inspiring referrals, we call that having a good three-way. Yes, um, yes. Um, and, and before we get people sort of ringing in and saying, what the hell is going on there? It's, it's that three-way communication yeah. uh, where everyone knows the clear action, who's responsible and what's going to happen. So yeah. um, I do see people trying to use technology and send emails and, oh, well, you know, I'll just send a little message or uh, like a post-it note or something. This is what I want you to do. Um, the, the patient and the CA all have to be very clear about what the next step is, like yeah. you say. Yeah. Um, I think that sort of loops back to what we were talking about before, that this tendency to look for hacks and shortcuts and those sort of things, I think you've got to remember with all of this, we are all basically cavemen. Like we are, have hunter-gatherer <laughs> DNA, which means that, 
there are, yes, there are some things that you can do virtually that have value, but there's nothing as impactful as actually a face-to-face conversation. And if you're wanting to have a social interaction that communicates to the client or patient that the CA is taking over authority and you need to pay attention to what they're saying, they're not just a lackey, they are a mm. paraprofessional, then that works better as an in-person thing than a than trying to delegate it to some sort of technology or virtual interaction. Absolutely. Um, we are probably with, because we have the x-ray machine on site, yeah. I actually have the CAs even help us with the x-ray. Yeah. Um, I think that in itself, I mean, we've had so many times where uh, we have patients think that the CAs are a nurse, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, where, you know, like, you know, we have to get them into the gown for the x-ray and, some of the old guys sort of just don't fully understand how, um, you know, the Velcro is supposed to be at the back, the back and not yes. the front. And then, um, but, you know, our girls are really quite on the ball with that. So I suppose that's that's almost like, um, almost implied that authority as well yeah. too. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be yeah. explicit. It just needs yeah. to be, it's sort of coded rather than explicit. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the other thing too, if because... If, um, Kath, uh, my wife has been a CA for a long time and I just yes. do as I'm told and she's really the brain's trust in the whole thing is, is the CA's point of view, if any, if any CA's are going sort of, uh, listening to this too, is, um, you just need to remember who's responsible for what. So like if, if, if the chiropractor has said to you as a CA, Hey, I want you to, you know, call a radiology um, and give them this form, which is, you know, what you, you want your CA, want Lily to do, um, then that's your responsibility um, to do that. And if the, if the patient uh, then says, oh, no, I'm not, you know, I don't, oh, I'll, I'll call you and that kind of thing, um, I'd actually, as a CA, say, look, um, I'll let Dr. Harvey know. Yeah. yeah. But just, just to have that feedback to say, look, I've got this action. Uh, what you're saying is you're not letting me, do that action. Yeah. I need to update Dr. Harvey or Dr. Martin about what's going on there. And having that clarity and transparency between um, basically the doctor or the chiropractor and the CA is so critically important And that because you, the CA needs to back up the chiropractor, but the chiropractor also has to back up the CA. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that this team approach is so critically important. So, you know, people may as, and, and, and the, um, how you interact with this person on that very first interaction sets up your relationship going forward. Yeah. So, so if you've, if you've sort of started that sort of low, really casual, or well, not low, but casual, um, sort yeah. of, oh yeah, yeah, we can help you out that kind of thing. Then, they're going to also casually commit to whatever you yep. want to do. They'll, oh, look, Craig's a nice guy. If I don't make that next report of finding visit, he won't hold it against me, that kind yep. of thing. Um, as opposed to you know, setting that bar up a little bit higher where we're going, hey, you know what, This is we've uncovered some stuff. We need to get some more information around. Let's get that sorted and so and get you sorted. And, and to do that, we need to do these couple of things, get the x-rays, let's make that next appointment and let's get, get this thing cranking yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just be clear about that. So well, that's good. It's yeah, that's, that's very good. 
Um, so I'm just if, trying to think of a bad, bad story, like a, a learning story for exams. For exams? Um, yeah. For exams. Oh, I, I, I'm just, just trying to think. It's really, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Yeah. yeah. I have had one little uh, story that I think is really important, which is um, if you're going to do balance testing, you've got to think through the application to people where I had the, within the, you know, when I first heard about it as a testing modality and its potential to give us insight into the nervous system and these emerging models of disafferentation and so on. I was like super excited by it. And I'm of an age where we were taught balance testing at university, but not really in this context of a, a view of what's happening from a spinal function, subluxation sort of level. So I leapt into it, getting people to do it, people having amazing experiences. Oh my God, I had no idea. And I hadn't been given the, uh, well, look, if you've got somebody who's likely to have really, really crap balance, maybe don't stand in front of them, stand behind them so that you can mm. make sure they don't hit the floor. So Catch they them. didn't hit the floor, but I almost ripped my shoulder out of the socket catching them yeah. because I had to sprint from three paces in front of them rather than being immediately behind them ready to catch. So that was certainly yeah. a screw up of mine, but um, no, for sure. definitely a learning experience. Yeah, that's right. Oh, just um, just to add something too, just just be, while I'm thinking about it, the the examination findings. You know, like we're yeah. talking about the myotomes and things. Yeah. Um, I would just thoroughly recommend no one say the word weakness. Yeah, yeah. Um, just just so I haven't said that already. It's just because the layperson, if if you've got a weakness, they go to the gym to yeah. improve that weakness. I would recommend using the loss of function as yeah. a as a as a sort of the unit of yeah. of measure. Um, yeah. uh, but if I'm sort of thinking about you know just in general with exams, um, um, if people uh, we have to be mindful that we don't yet know where where we're at. Right? We don't even know if we can help at this point until we actually do the exam. So um, there's particular personalities where, where people will try and make light of everything, like like yeah. particularly copers. Oh yeah, it's just a little, you know, yeah. uh, whatever it is. Um, and so the, well, they'll often look around the room and try and sort of make uh, some humorous sort of statements and stuff. And I don't, I don't think it's it's I think it's okay to acknowledge that they're just feeling a little bit nervous. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily ignore what they're saying, but also don't you don't have to go down that path. You don't of, have to mirror that that sort of. Yeah, yeah. Of you yeah. just just go. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying, but let's find out a bit more and just keep be, being on on task with that. Yeah, um, uh, it's just sort of uh, something that sort of tends to come up. So yeah, actually, one other thing that uh, uh, in terms of that languaging, I think um, I do a lot of range of motion. Uh, measuring and there's a big focus on that and I think the parallel to that with weakness is talking about this being tight you're tight this way or it, because it feeds into that idea that it's a muscular problem um, mm. so I prefer the uh, to say and similarly with palpation you don't talk about a joint being tight or even restricted I like jammed or locked because they're very sort of articular um, words mm. and it's so it's more consistent with our sort of hierarchy yes there's muscles involved but they're 
they're the superficial part of the problem. The deeper part of the problem is the joint and the nerve. So yeah, yeah sort of similar absolutely. Parallel. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 excellent. So we've I think through the conversation we've given people lots of stuff that they could implement to improve their approach to the examination. Um, again, if people were wanting to go further, what would if somebody was saying coming to you saying, look, I really want to dial in my examination, what would be your sort of process or product that would help them along their way? Yeah, so so uh, just online, you know, we have a, uh, a series of videos we did over a few years ago now, webinars, where it actually sort of discuss all of the different parts to it and it's called flying lessons just to, yeah. in uh, in keeping with uh chiropractic flight school and it's really just the the nuts and bolts of running a a practice and we go through i think that uh, i'm a big videoer and i don't mean that in a um uh, inappropriate sense but we do a lot of training in our um our practice so so what i have done is we, we give them a webinar as part of it and then we also actually have video footage of what it actually looks like in a yeah. real setting with a real person sure, because um I, I, nothing beats that sort of authentic or organic um yeah. observation and and i'm sure barton you and i've uh well yourself you've had a lot of people observe over the years you know like yeah. um uh, uh lawyers um <laughs> Chaperones, yeah, mainly. Yeah, yeah, chaperones, yeah. No, no, but even when the observer's in the room, they the, the fact that they're there changes the the yeah. interaction that actually happens. So that's why, you know, um, I like using video in yeah. appropriate settings um, uh, there. So we do have that. Flying lessons is, is what we have on our website. Yeah. yeah. So equivalent for me would be there's sort of two, depending on which angle you're coming from, uh, I spoke last time about the retention recipe, which is really the first 12 visits. And as part of that, I talk about, uh, go into more detail about what we've discussed today in terms of how you uh, create an examination that then has that communication and clinical data gathering that you can then bookend with a re-exam. Uh, also, some of the stuff that I was talking about uh, with the paradigm and philosophy and what tests should I be doing? How do I go from more of a pain-based perspective to more of a prevention and performance perspective? How do I, to, rather than a philosophical perspective, how do I create a paradigm and procedures with that? I've got an online workshop called um, the Certainty Workshop, which takes you through a process that can help you work out what's right for you. And I think that's, you know, we're talking today we're both coming from a similar philosophical paradigm, a philosophical perspective rather, um, but add, in terms of the application of it, there's some some commonalities, but there's some differences as well. So there's no, there's more than one way that you can do things. And the mm -hmm. purpose of the certainty workshop is really to connect people with what is gonna work for them. Yep. So cool. moving on next time, we're going to take it to the next visit and uh, talk about the, the second visit, the report of findings visit. So can't wait to hear your wisdom in that regard, Craig. Cool. Uh, and I'll also probably add maybe from our from my perspective, maybe a little bit about sort of just before you, we go into that report of findings and, you know, coming up with the plan. Yeah. Uh, whatever oh, that plan is, stuff. yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, just I'll, I won't go full on into it, but it, it just to sort of open people's minds up a little bit about. I think that'll be great. Uh, 
what to consider because no one ever no one ever teaches that stuff no, right like it, no. it's like you, I've, I've been looking for years and and uh, no one actually says okay well you've got this you've got this, got this just do this and yeah. it doesn't actually exist so um yeah that'll be uh, good so so I might have a discussion before that in terms of preparing for the report of findings how you the clinical framework for how you decide what different people with different findings name yeah, yeah almost like yeah, and I think it, I think it, um, my hope there would be to help um, add, oh, sorry, add um, uh, add to their clinical experience. You know, like you and I both uh, know people have been in practice and had the same year every single year, and yeah. then there's other people who have had thirty years in practice and every day is a new and wonderful experience. So yeah. I know which one I'd prefer. Yeah, the learning and growing one. Excellent. All right. Thanks, mate. Great speaking to you. Cheers, mate. Catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Under the Influence podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you can catch all future episodes of the Under the Influence podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, then you will love the online program, The Retention Recipe. It's all about communication strategies that you can employ in somebody's first 12 visits that help transition them from a pain level of health belief to a prevention level of health belief and open up the opportunities for them to see chiropractic as part of a performance or wellness lifestyle. Check it out at insideoutpractices.com.